For thousands of years, we've been under the impression that the Bible was intended to be taken seriously. Finally, a new translation that changes all of that. This is Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible! Reach out, touch faith! Welcome to Chapter 7 of Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible with me, David Tuckman. In each episode of this monthly podcast, a special guest joins me and tries to read my own personal translation of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew. Today is Monday, April 15th in 2013, and we are coming to you live from New York City's Parkside Lounge. Tonight is Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israeli Independence Day, however you feel about that. Um, so that's an interesting thing. In the past week, last week, uh, last Monday, the 8th, uh, I posted a BuzzFeed on the internet to promote this show. It was called 11 Surprising Bible Passages, and it was sort of a, a brief version of the show. Just some weird translations or weird things that you might not know are in the first six chapters, according to me, of the Old Testament. It, uh, it didn't quite explode on BuzzFeed. As of today, it got 500 views, which is pretty big, um, but I think it can get more. Thank you, everyone who shared it. Uh, if you still haven't shared it, if you still haven't looked at it, you can go on to OMGWTFBuzzFeed. Bible.com, and it'll link right there and post it on your Facebook, tweet it, share it all over the world, share this podcast with people because you're listening to it and it's fun and you like it. Um, are you guys ready to meet your guest? That's right. Now this guy is a friend of mine for a very long time. He is a UX designer by day and a cartoonist and illustrator by night. Please give it up for Lonnie Mann. Hey, everybody. How you doing, Lonnie? I'm really great. How are you? Lonnie, what's UX? UX is user experience. That's what it stands for. And it's pretty much planning for websites. Okay, interesting. What's cartoonist slash illustrating? Well, I am currently working on a comic about uh, my trip to Iceland I took last December. It's a comic travelogue, and it posts twice weekly on the internet at LonnieComics.com. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you some questions that I usually ask all of my guests, uh, just so that the audience gets an idea who you are and what you bring to the weirdness that we're about to read. Is that okay? That is great. Cool. Um, so I know you from high school. I've known you for a while, but nobody who's listening knows you. Can you tell us a little bit something about your background in religion and in the Bible? Absolutely. Uh, well, as you said, I went to high school with you, which means that I attended Orthodox Jewish All Boys Yeshiva High School. I was in that environment from preschool um, until I went to college, at which point I traveled from New York to Arizona and attended a total geek school where I wanted to major in video game design. So uh, my childhood was very heavily steeped in Orthodox Judaism. Are you religious now? Absolutely not. Awesome. I am proud to say that I am a 100% atheist at this point. 100%. 110%. I don't know if even Richard Dawkins is 100% atheist. I think he's probably uh, uh, even more than that. Okay, okay. Actually. Um, So what, I mean, what... What made you drift away from this thing? What don't you like about it if you're so oh, atheist? Oh, gosh. We don't have so much time, David. Okay, pick one thing. One very quick thing. <sighs> um, bigotry. Okay. Cool. We'll get to that in this chapter, I think. We sure will. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, my other question that I usually ask is, do you have a... I know that you don't necessarily believe in this. You're an atheist right now. Do you have a favorite part of this book? Um, or I, something that sticks out in your memory? 
Well, there there are a lot of crazy things that uh, I still find really interesting and I like to talk about. Um, but I think growing up, one of the most interesting parts to me, uh, besides all the weird commentary and stuff, if we're sticking just to the text, um, I forget his name at the moment, but there was a, a single non-Jewish or non-Israelite prophet who could communicate with God and could perform miracles and things like like Moshe, Moses. Um, mm-hmm. And I found that really interesting. I think he was called a sorcerer or something like that. Right, because Kor- it was Korach, magic. possibly? Korach was Jewish. Bilam. Bilam. Thank you, Bilam. Thank you, audience. (laughs) Thank you, audience. Uh, I I found that really interesting because it even even then it seemed to admit that you don't necessarily need to be Jewish uh, to command the uh, supernatural forces Jews believed in, Mm -hmm. um, which I found exciting because it seemed to contradict the idea that if you're born Jewish, uh, that's the only way to be awesome, and you can't even get out of it if you want to. Right. So that that was kind of like a bi- a little splinter I found that I found really interesting. Um, one more question, and then we're going to get into the chapter because we have a lot of chapter this week. Yes, we do. Or this month, I'm sorry. Um, what's your earliest memory of me? Um, I think I was aware of you. Yeah. I, I think I was aware of you before this, but the, the first solid memory I have is we, uh, we took the same creative writing class when I was in 10th grade, and you were in a 11th grade uh, with Mrs. Keston Fishbaum. Okay. And uh, I think that's when we actually became acquaintances and then friends. I think that's right. And you now. And me and, and a couple other people. And now instead of writing creatively, I'm just translating the book that we read all the time back then. Creatively. Creatively. Um, I think it's time for chapter seven. You guys ready for chapter seven? All right, Lonnie, Lonnie, are you ready for chapter seven? I am so ready. I don't know if I'm ready. This is a really, really crazy one. Well, I'll be there for you. There is some insane things that happen. I didn't remember these happening, and they are wacky, and I can't wait to start. So let's do it. This is Torah, a loose translation, book one, in the beginning, chapter seven, in which all sorts of sexy things and one very unsexy one happen. All right. Go ahead. Among the oaks of Memre, Avraham sat at the opening of his tent in the heat of the day. So if you recall, last month, um, (laughs) chapter 6 ended with Avraham and everyone in his tent getting circumcised. So sitting at the opening of your tent during a hot day is not a fun thing to do right after you do that. Jehovah appeared to him. Avraham lifted his eyes and saw three men approaching. He ran from the opening of the tent to greet them and bowed to the ground. My masters, Avraham said, if I have found favor in your eyes, please don't pass your servant by. So uh, having found favor in your eyes is a thing that people used to say back then. I think it's a pretty cute thing, so I left it in. I didn't change it to whatever Ardian would be right now. Take a bit of water, wash your feet, and rest beneath the tree. I'll get you a slice of bread so you can eat and satisfy your heart. Then you'll be on your way since you have passed by your servant. Avram uh, kind of seems like the prototype for a Jewish grandmother. <laughs> we will do as you have described, that they said. That is weirdly robotic. Thank you, people. We will do as you have described. Avraham rushed to his tent. Hurry, he told Sarah. I need three seahs of, of our finest flour. A seah is some random biblical unit, so let's just say cups. Three cups. That works, right? Knead and make cakes. Avram just offered slices of bread to these guys and is now commanding his wife to make three cakes. He's definitely Jewish. 
<laughs> Abraham ran to the cattle. He chose a tender, good calf and gave it, a, a, gave it to a servant boy who quickly started preparing it. Then he took butter, milk, and the prepared calf and set them before the men. That calf got butchered really, really fast. Also, uh, super not kosher. Yeah, well. As they ate under the tree, he stood by watching over them. Definitely a Jewish grandmother. Where is Sarah, your woman, they asked him. Here, in the tent. I will surely return to you, they said, as I live my life. As I live my life, again, a weird cryptic phrase. Typically it's translated as in one year, so they will return in one year. Rashi says that it means that, but I, I'm just going to leave it as, as I live my life, because who cares? Then a son will be born to Sarah, your woman. Sarah heard him through the opening in the tent, which was just to his back. She was very old, getting quite on in years, and no longer experienced the path of woman. And Flo had left for good. Blood wasn't coming out of her anymore. Menopause. I'm already withered, she laughed to herself. <laughs> and now I'll experience joy with my old ass man. Why did Sarah just laugh? Jehovah asked Avraham. So Jehovah interrupted the meal. This was probably very, very weird for the guests that God just started talking to their host. It's like it's bad enough when the, the, the telephone rings and it's people calling in. Yeah, dinner. but just a disembodied voice speaking in the middle. You can't hang up on God. No. No. And ask if she would indeed have a child now that she is so fucking old. Why is God asking this? How is Avram supposed to know? He's outside watching some strangers eat like a creep and he doesn't read minds. Is that too wondrous for Jehovah to do? Everyone always hated when Jehovah started talking in the third person. In time, I shall return, and Sarah shall have a son. The men got up and faced Sodom words. Avraham walked with them to see them off. Should I hide what I'm about to do from Avraham, Jehovah said? Keep going. <laughs> all right. Avraham will be made into a great big nation that will be blessed by all the other nations of the land. I have chosen him so that he can command his children and his homes after him in guarding the way of Jehovah, to be charitable and just so that I, Jehovah, will bring to Avraham all that stuff I told him about. The land of Israel and all that nonsense. The whales of Sodom and Amorah are crazy loud, Jehovah said, because their many, many sins weigh heavily indeed. Usually you hear uh, Gomorrah. I'm translating it as Amorah. The first letter of the word in Hebrew is an ayin, which is pronounced with a guttural G uh, by more traditional speakers. But since nobody ha knows how to do that, I'll try to do it right now. I will probably fail. It's Gomorrah, Gomorrah. Um, I, I think I did it. Uh, but we just translated it as Gomorrah because who the hell wants to do that? I'll just go down and see. If they're really as bad as the screams I hear, they're done. If not, I'll know. The men took off towards Sodom, and Avraham kept standing there in front of Jehovah. Avraham confronted Jehovah. Will you wipe out the righteous with the evil, he asked. Wait, so Avraham heard all that? That's awkward. Super awkward. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there are 50 righteous folk in the city. Yeah, you ever think of that, omniscient God? Would you still destroy it? Wouldn't you spare it for the 50 innocents within it? How could you do such a thing? To kill the righteous with the wicked? To treat the righteous and the wicked the same? Imagine that you, judge of all the land, would not be just. If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, Jehovah said, I'll spare the entire place on their behalf. I know I speak to my lord and master, Abraham answered, and I am just dust and ash. Abraham sure knows how to butter up God. But what if the 50 are missing five people? Would you still slaughter the city because of those five? 
If I find 45, Jehovah said, I will not massacre the town. Avraham kept going. Well, maybe, he said, you'll find 40 there. I wouldn't do it for 40, Avraham is a master of negotiation. Yeah, really. Please, my lord Original haggler. Avraham said, don't be annoyed with, at me, but what if you find 30? <laughs> I won't do it if I find 30, Jehovah said. I am venturing to speak to my master again. What if you find 20? I won't destroy them for 20. I really hope my master isn't pissed off if I speak one last time, Avraham said. <laughs> then uh, maybe you find ten. What, what was that? Maybe, uh, maybe ten. Ten people. Okay. For ten, Jehovah said, I won't annihilate them. Finished talking with I- Avraham, Jehovah flew away. Avraham went back to his place. His place. All right. That night, two of the angels finally arrived in Sodom. By the way, those guys were angels. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, actually, um, the word for angel in Hebrew, the word we typically translate as angel, is malach, um, which can also mean messenger. So we think of them as angels with wings and who live in heaven, but, uh, you know, in this context, but they could just be messengers of God, whatever that means. Or just messengers, because it doesn't say of God here. As soon as Lot, who was sitting by the gates of the city, saw the angels, he got up to greet them. Then he fell to his knees and pressed his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please come to your servant's house to spend the night and wash your legs. Either everyone's legs were super dirty back then, whoever wrote this had a serious foot fetish. (laughs) Then you can get up early and be on your way. No, they said, we will sleep in the street. But Lot pressed them until they changed their minds and they followed him home. There he made a feast for them and served them matzahs, which they ate. So the text actually uses matzot here, the Hebrew word for uh, matzahs. Matzah is Hebrew. Um, but supposedly this wasn't the matzah that we typically think of, the flat uh, square or round bread that you see in Passover or Pesach seders. Um, but it was more of like a, a pita, like a, a little bit thick bread. So this meal didn't suck as much as it sounds like it did. Mm. <laughs> Delicious. Before the dudes could go to bed, all the men of the city of Sodom, from young to old, gathered at Lot's house. The entire fucking nation was there. Where are the men who came home with you tonight, they called to Lot. Everyone said this in unison. Bring them out and... <laughs> bring them out and let us get to know them. A.K.A. rape them. Lot left his home to speak with them. The, his door slammed behind him. So, this whole scene uh, is where a lot of people get the idea that, um, uh, that Sodom and Amora were destroyed because they were full of disgusting homosexuals. After all, everyone in Sodom wanted to get dirty with these two random strangers. Now, while the Sodomites definitely wanted to have some crazy angel-slash-messenger sex, those who use this passage to criticize the sensual, consensual sexual proclivities of others are missing that the entire town wanted to gang-rape these two dudes. As the text says, all the men from young to old gathered outside of Lot's house. We're talking eight-year-old urchins standing side-by-side with 93-year-old lecherers all grabbing their crotches, dreaming of pounding some sweet angel ass. Sodom and Amora weren't destroyed because they were gay. They were destroyed because they were rape-crazed lunatics. Please, my brothers, he said, don't rape these men. I have two virgin daughters. Rape them. Load you suck. Just do not do a thing to these two men. They have called on me for protection. Oh, snap, they said. 
This guy comes here as a stranger and now he thinks he can judge us. We're going to do him worse than we'll do them. A great storm of men pressed against Lot and tried to break down his door. The angels stuck out their hands, pulled Lot in, and sealed the door behind him. Suddenly, all the people at Lot's door, young and old, were struck blind and couldn't find the entrance. Who else do you have here? The angels asked Lot. Take all the grooms, sons, daughters, and everyone else you have in the city. You must leave this place. We are here to destroy this town. The shrieks that come from this place have reached Jehovah. He has sent us here to obliterate it. Lot went to the grooms who had taken his daughters. Lot apparently had a bunch of daughters beyond the two virgins, which is probably why he was so willing to toss them out to the rape crowd. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess they weren't his property anymore, so, you know. No. Get up, he said. We've got to get out of here. God's going to destroy the city. But they just thought he was joking. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that load. Uh, as dawn broke, the angels hurried Lot. Come on, they said. Take your woman and the two daughters who are with you, or you'll be consumed by the sin of this city. Still Lot tarried. The men grabbed his hand and the hands of his woman and the two daughters and, and, with God's pity upon him, pulled them out of the city. Lot is dumb. Run for your lives, they said, once they'd evacuated Lot's family. Don't look back, and don't stay anywhere in the plain. Get to the hills as fast as you can, or you will be swept up in the destruction. I cannot, my lords, Lot said. I am glad that I, your servant, have found favor in your eyes. There it is again. Isn't it cute? I just love the way that sounds. <laughs> You've done a great kindness to me by saving my soul, but I am not able to make it to the hills. The danger will catch up to me, and I will die. You don't understand, Lot, Jehovah said. I am the danger. <laughs> Look, Lot said. That town is close enough to flee to. It is such a young, new place. I can escape there. Isn't it little? It's such a cute little town. Look at it. And my soul will live. Your face has been carried to me in this matter, he said to Lot. That is another weird old idiom. Basically, whoever is speaking, because we don't know who it is, likes Lot, so he's going to give him what he wants. I will not demolish this city, but hurry, get there quickly. I can't do a thing until you reach that town. Even though the angels were talking, the pronoun is he here, so maybe God just popped his head into the conversation. Who knows, really? For this reason, that, that city is now called Tsoar. Which means youthful or young. The sun erupted across the land, and Lot arrived at Soar. God rained sulfur and fire upon Sodom and Amorah, bringing destruction from the sky. He totally annihilated them, wiping out the entire plain, all its inhabitants, and any vegetation. Lot's woman looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. So, really, everything God's done up to this point has been pretty normal, deity-wise. He created the world, sent floods, demanded Avraham cut a part of his dick off, and poured fire and sulfur down on a mis behaving city. But this just feels kind of jammed in here. Like the writers were stuck at work late one night and needed to get rid of Lot's wife somehow and just use the first thing they saw. She turned into a, a Chinese food container. No, no, wait, salt! Avraham got up early that morning and went to the place where he'd stood before the face of Jehovah. He turned to face Sodom, Amora, and all the land of the plain. Like from a furnace, smoke rose from the plain. And all of that was how Jehovah, as he was destroying the cities of the plain, remembered Avraham and sent Lot away in the midst of the destruction of the cities in which he lived. Lot left Soar with his two daughters and went to the mountain. He was scared to live in Soar, so he decided to live in a cave with his two virgin daughters. <laughs> no ex Yeah, I, there's no explanation for this. Our father is quite old, and there is no man on earth to come to us and teach us the ways of the world. What is she talking about? The older daughter said to the younger one. They were just in a city half a verse ago. Let us get our father 
father drunk on wine and do penis things with him. Then we will continue life with our father's seed. This is not the next logical step. <laughs> like first it's let's get to some high ground and just double check to make sure the world isn't over before let's fuck our dad. That night, they made their father drink wine, and his elder daughter made love to him. He had no idea when she lay down or when she got up. Keep going. Last night... <laughs> Just... Last night, I rode Dad's cock, the older daughter told the younger one later. Later, not while it happened. No. Thanks for pointing that out, Bible. Yeah, that'd be awkward. Come, let's get him drunk again tonight, and you will go and lie with him. In this way, we will continue life with our father's seed. That night, they also forced their father to drink wine. How do they have so much wine? They're in a cave. The younger daughter played hide the salty pillar with Lot, and he didn't know when she lay down or when she got up. Both daughters got pregnant. Of course. The older daughter had a son named Moab. He is the father of the nation called Moab to this day. Well, not to this day, but to the day when this was written. The younger daughter named her son Ben-Ami, and to this day... Not really. He is the father of the Bnei Amon. And that concludes chapter 7. Thank you so much for listening. It, wasn't that a crazy one? I told you that was a crazy one. That is a really, really weird one. Um, so at this point, I lost my notes because I don't know what's happening next. At this point, Lonnie, um, we usually do something called a Devar Torah. Now, um, in, I've heard of those. You've heard of Devar Torah. What does Devar Torah mean to you? Um, well, literally, I think it's something along the lines of words of Torah, though yes. I, I was never very good at Hebrew. Exactly. Um, but uh, it's basically a sermon that, that includes quoting the Torah. It's usually a sermon, but I noticed that Devar um, is singular, so it's really just a Torah word. And what I was wondering is, uh, for this segment, do you think you can sum up uh, this entire chapter in one word? Oh, gosh. Um... Gay. Gay? Okay, that's a good one. Or it's a good cray. Cray? Gay yeah. cray. I like that. Cray. I'm going to allow you to have a second Torah word for this one. My Torah word is rape. Yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a yeah. that's germane. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any do you have any final thoughts about this chapter? Anything anything that stood out to you? Um Oh, I thought of another word. Okay. Incest. Yes, definitely incest. <laughs> yeah. That's a um, word that describes this I, chapter. Yeah, I think that's pretty much, um, none of it makes any sense. No. Well, what I find interesting is that um, the, the morality of rape, or, yeah, the morality of rape in this chapter is pretty interesting to me. Um, because on the one hand, you have the entire cities of Sodom and Amora. Um, who band together to rape two men, and they're destroyed because they're a bunch of crazy, awful, homosexual rapists. Right. Um, and then you have the two daughters of Lot, who for some reason believe that the world is over and rape their father. They get him drunk and then, presumably not without consent, have sex with him. And that's great. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's cool. I feel like I remember hearing about commentators that, that did say that that was really not okay and they got punished for it, but I don't remember any specifics at this time. Right, but I mean, if we're going based on the text... Their city didn't get destroyed. Their yeah. cave wasn't destroyed. God didn't destroy them. They didn't turn into to, to pillars. They were presumably pillars. the innocents that God <laughs> saved from the city. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... So that's sexism. That's my final thought on this, yeah. Yeah. That's just crazy weird, is that... Is that sexism? Yeah, that's sexism. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. It's a double standard. Well, how did you enjoy Chapter 7? What do you think? Uh, you know, um, despite the fact that uh, 
you know, uh, gay people are disparagingly referred to as sodomites, and this is why. Um, Which is crazy, because it should really just be used for gay rapists. Right, well, it should be used for, like, uh, yeah, gang, gang rapists yeah. or, or something. Um, but um, the, uh, the thing is, when, whenever um, the, the various parshas would come up every week, the portions of Torah, um, and I would read through them in shul, in the synagogue, the ones that really caused me the most dismay when they would come up every year uh, were not this chapter, but the ones where it specifically said, uh, man shall not lay with another man, yeah. he will kill him, their death will be upon them, etc., etc. Yeah. That's what really caused issue for me. This, I didn't take personally, because <laughs> it was about... A whole nutso plain village yeah. um, uh, uh, of crazy people. Yeah. So I, I was like, oh, well, you know, that's, that's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to say why you would have taken it personally? Well, just because of the gay thing. Oh, okay. Being a gay. Being a gay. Being okay. A gay. Well, then it's very appropriate that you read this one. Super appropriate. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. Uh, do you have anything to plug before we close out the show? Sure. Um, well, uh, you're talking as, about your comic at the top. Yeah. As you mentioned before, uh, I do comics and illustrations and things. Uh, and if you would like to check out my comics, you can do so at LonnieComics.com. That's L-O-N-N-I-E Comics.com. And I post uh, every Monday and Friday and then sometimes in between. And uh, thank you, Lonnie. If you enjoyed the show, uh, go check us out on online. Uh, we're at facebook.com slash omgbible. Uh, we're on Twitter at at omgwtfbible. Uh, you can follow us on the website at omgwtfbible.com. That's a resource for all of these things. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, anything that you use for podcasts. Uh, and please, if you enjoy it, write a review on iTunes. That really, really helps with the algorithm, I guess. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Sure, you're in computers. Beep boop. You're inside computers. Um, if you are interested to me, uh, I'm on Facebook at this is David Tuckman. That's D-A-V-I-D-T-U-C-H-M-A-N. Uh, at Twitter, David underscore Tuckman. Um, and I'm also performing. When this comes out, it's going to be, oh, I had the note written, the date written down, and I lost the piece of paper. Uh, the, well, I'm going to be performing the 22nd. Thank you, John. But this launches the 22nd, so it's going to be the night when people get it. Um, I'm going to be, there's a, a alternative comedy open mic called No Jokes Allowed that happens the second Monday of every month. So the second Monday in May, whatever the date is, come on down to see that at Beauty Bar uh, on 14th Street between 2nd and 3rd. It's really fun. Some of New York's best comedians uh, are at that show. And me. Um, and I, 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 when I say best comedians, I'm, I'm not hy using hyperbole. I feel really privileged to be able to see that show every month. Um, Thank you all so much for coming. I want to thank the Parkside Lounge for having us. I want to thank, yeah, I want to thank our audience for being here tonight, for uh, making it out to show up. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank uh, Megan, our waitress. Thank you, Lonnie, for being here and being our guest tonight. Thank you. Um, and if, to, if this month's episode sounded a little better than they usually do, uh, that's because of John Passaro, our brand new audio engineer, who's uh, been helping me make it sound great. So thank you, John. Thank you so much. Um, that's our show. Please be sure to tune in for Chapter 8, because next month in the Bible, God gives Avraham a son and then asks for it back. <laughs>